All right, good morning, church. How y'all doing? My name's Tim, one of the pastors around here. The second Sunday of the year looks good on you. Quick little story uh, of, of something that happens to me, because uh, I'm new in the area. My wife and I were at Panera the other day, and we like to work there. And you'll, if you ever go to Panera, you'll often see us there, particularly on Saturdays and Sundays. And um, so we were at Panera, and this lady walks by, and I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, I, I think I know her. And so she sat down, and finally after a few months, because you know how it is when you, when, you know you think, when you think you should know somebody, but you're not sure you know them, and there's that little bit of awkwardness. So finally, I just walked over to her and said, hey, I think I know you. Don't you go to Pathway Church? And she goes, no, I don't. But then right over here was this other lady. I didn't even see her. She said, but I do. So I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So I, I turn over, and the, the lady over here's name was uh, Jennifer. I can tell you her last name because I actually happen to remember both of her names. And we had just a, a great conversation. And then this past Saturday morning, we're sitting in Panera doing some more work because we've got a lot to do. And this, this gal comes, and she sits right beside us at the next table over, and I look at her, and, and then she says, aren't you Tim? And I'm like, Ooh, what did I do? So... Uh, Another pathway person. So here's my advice, or here's my admonition to you. Would you, if you see Cindy and I out in public, don't be awkward. Just come up and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I go to Pathway Church. I also discovered this is a great witnessing tool. So if you don't know anybody, just walk up to them and say, I don't, do I know you? They say, do you go, you go to Pathway Church? If they say no, then, then that begins the conversation. Well, why not? God uses all kinds of things. Well, this morning, we're going we're gonna to try something a little bit new here in a little bit. Before we do, I just want you to see this little cartoon because I know I'm sometimes guilty of this infraction. We're going to see this little cartoon. There we go. You can read it. So I'm going to try not to go 45 in a 25-minute zone. Yeah, some at the back are just now getting it. <laughs> takes, a, takes a little while to make it all, all the way around. So, Well, last week we began a series that, that we've entitled, I Choose. And, uh, you know, the series is based on the premise that we all have choices to make. Some trivial, some very meaningful, some that seem insignificant, some that change the world. We all have to make choices of various kinds. Last week we talked about this idea of choosing between extraordinary and ordinary. And the premise, the thesis, if you remember from this message, was that we are called, or we, we are asked to relentlessly pursue our calling with spiritual authority. Now today we're going to kind of do, a, it's a separate message, but it's kind of like almost a part B, because I'm going to take that thought just a little step further uh, this morning. And today we're looking at this idea of I choose purpose over popularity. Now, now please, before I begin at all, this is not necessarily a binary choice. 
which means it's not necessarily if you're popular, you can't have purpose, or if you have purpose, you can't have popularity. So it's not binary in that sense. However, what we're going to discover today is that for many people, it often becomes a binary choice in the way they live their lives. And we're going to help you to discover how to get beyond that and living into and deeply into the purpose that God has called you for. Now, this morning you heard the text read. It was from Ephesians chapter 11, the Hall of Faith passage in the, in the Scriptures. It's the story of Moses. Now, because um, you probably know the story of Moses pretty well, I'm not going to give you a, a lot of background to it. It would have been nice if Disney would have made a movie about him so we could all know the story of Moses. But the Bible tells us in 24, it says, by faith, Moses. Now, here's what it says. It says, when he had grown up. Now, the phrase there that's used for grown up is a phrase which means fully accountable. So in other words, what the scripture is trying to tell us is that Moses was at a place where he could independently make his own choice, that his choice when he made it would have effect. In fact, um, it's, it's the kind of moment when it says that he was fully aware of what he was about to do. So when Moses had grown up, notice what it then says he did. He refused, refused. Now, it's, it's important that you understand that word too because that is, was a volitional choice. So Moses is about, the Scripture is about to tell us about this choice that Moses made that he was fully aware of, that he made of full volition in his own mind. So what was that choice? The choice was that he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, brothers and sisters, you, you probably can guess, but that was a very significant choice. It was a significant choice in part because when Pharaoh was saying no to being Pharaoh's daughter, he was saying no to everything the kingdom of Egypt had to offer. Now, scholars do differ a bit on some of the exact circumstances surrounding this choice. But I think what it means at the very least is that when, when Moses decided to say no, and there were reasons why, but when Moses decided to say no, here's what he was saying no to. He was saying no to a form of deity. Egyptians often worshipped the Pharaoh as one of their many gods that they would worship. So Moses was saying no to being a god. Would any one of you do that? I've been trying to, to get that status in my household for 35 years. Man, if it's handed to me, I'm taking it. Moses said no to that. Moses said no to all the riches of the kingdom. I mean, in those days, Egypt was, was, was like the USA of economies in the world. I mean, everybody who was somebody wanted to be a part of the Egyptian economy. They were just, they were just that rocking with their finances. So he was giving away all of that. He was giving away the big house on the hill, all of the servants. I mean, he was giving away, he was giving away the opportunity to walk down the street and people just, just applaud and salute and, and, and giving up all of those things. He was giving up all this popularity, this, this notoriety, this fame, this, this glory and this splendor. But Moses was going to give it up. 
And it said in the verse 25, it says, not only did he refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but here is another action verb. It says he chose something else instead of that. Instead of all the riches, he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God. What a choice. He could have had this, and by the world standards, he chose this. Might not have been a very smart man. But he chose it because of something else that he saw. And verse 26 says, he saw that he would rather be, he, would, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now, there's a lot of context here that this text misses because it's just trying to give you a highlight of his life. Let me only fill in just a little piece of it. When Moses was saying no to this, he was saying no to all the riches that we've already talked about. Saying no to popularity, to fame, to money, all those kinds of things. He was saying no to that. Instead, he was choosing to identify with the people of God, with the nation of Israel. His backstory is that, that his mother put him in a basket. He ended up in the house of Pharaoh where he grew up. He was educated there, all of those kinds of things. While he was out, he began to realize that he was not truly Egyptian, that he belonged instead to the Hebrew people who were the slaves of the land. And when he realized his identity, really, when he realized his connection to his history, he decided to do something different about his future. He took all this other stuff, set it aside, put it behind him, and he said, I would rather be poor in, in monetary matters and be rich with my people than to be rich with monetary matters and be poor with, my peop with, with the people of God. He made a very clear choice. Now you and I often don't have to make choices that are, uh, that are that clear. But we often do make choices. And one of the choices that we make from a very young age that we don't even realize that we're making is this choice called popularity. Now, th this may seem a little bit of a stretch, but follow me for just a moment. When, when, when you are young uh, and, and, and you are in school, in grade school, here, here's what psychologists and, and, and social researchers have found, that, that when you're a young child, likability, popularity is, is equated to likability. When you're young, you want people to like you. When you have your fifth birthday party, you want a whole bunch of kids to come to your party. Only because, primarily because you want their gifts. It's an economic exchange even at five years old. Your kids are not stupid. They just want, they just, these kids just want people to like them. They want to they be liked, they want to like others, they want to get along, they want to live in that kind of environment. But as we grow older and we enter our teenage years, this should be a clue to you. When we enter our teenage years, something changes. The desire, social scientists say to us, the desire for likability, while it is still present, is usurped by another social construct. And that social construct is called status. We move from the desire to primarily have likability to where we want status. Now, status means, in social groups, that we have position that we have some level of influence, that we have some level of control, that when people look to us, they look at us not just because they might like us, but because we have a perceived standing, a pecking order in our, in our society. 
In fact, I often, I often tell people that you can determine what's happening in a so- with a person if you find out how they functioned in middle school and early high school. If one Sunday morning I asked all of you to bring your yearbooks in, that would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? Yearbook Sunday. All of you bring your yearbooks in and we, we open up to those like you know, in the eighth, ninth grade. We could talk about your eighth and ninth grade years. Many of us, when it comes to our so- the way we behave socially, is very similar to the way we behave in eighth and ninth grade. What social scientists tell us is that, that, and this is very interesting, is that even though we move from this idea of likability to, to status, people who maintain a drive for likability live better, healthier, than those who try to achieve status. In fact, they tell us that status accounts for a lot of aggression in adults, our addictions, our hatred, and our despair because we're trying to achieve this thing called status. Here's the problem with status. It's very uh, elusive. So when we're in high school, and all the other kids are doing something, whatever something is, our students have a tendency to want to do that because not only do they want to be liked, but they want to be a part of this group, whatever that means for them. That's why we often find that, that, that kids get in with, the, 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 the likable kids get in with the cool kids because they want to be a part of the cool kids group. Now, I know, I know that uh, I could ask Pastor Nate this because I'm, I'm very certain our kids in our high schools don't call them the cool kids, right? That, that's, that's my anecdoted term. But, um, that's what, but you know what I mean. That's what they're striving for is they want this popularity. They want to be a part of a group. They want to be a part of something that that gives them meaning because status often gives meaning for some folks. But it's not the goal that we should achieve. It's very interesting because status and likability works itself out in the Scriptures. In John chapter 12, Jesus was was teaching and the the Pharisees were were considering this person Jesus. And and in John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43, I encourage you to write it down and and read it later. It's not going to be on the screen. But it says this, nevertheless, notice this. Many of the authorities believed in Jesus. They believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. Did you catch that? These religious leaders believed in Jesus, but they would not confess it for fear of the Pharisees. Why? I'll notice in just a moment. So that, this is why, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Because if they were put out of the synagogue, they lost their social group. More importantly, they lost their social status. And they would not do it. And then it goes on to tell us that the reason behind the reason was that they loved the glory that comes more from man than the glory that comes from God. That explains a lot of the things that happens in our lives when we're looking for status, when we're looking to try to be a part of the right group or the preferred group or the in-group. We'll often sacrifice many other things that are more valuable just to get the thing that we think means more in this life. And it ruins us. And you see, what we need to do instead is to seek purpose, not popularity. You see, purpose gives us the opportunity to do something that's actually more significant than popularity. 
when we follow purpose in life, more, important, more importantly than the likes on our Facebook or Twitter feed, then we're going to find that we accomplish more in this life. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about this concept of purpose. Just to, as a way of background, purpose me is the reason that you're here. Purpose is the reason that you're here on this earth. God created, created you for a reason, for a purpose. I often say that God created you on purpose for a purpose. Purpose is, the, is what you were created to do. Now, please understand, the thing that you are doing now, whatever that thing is, may not be the thing that you were created to do. But it may be the thing that you're good at doing. I heard, I heard a, a television interview the other day that I thought was so insightful. And, and this guy who's, who's now a, a, a very well-known uh, pastor in America, he was saying that in his earlier life, he was a pretty good musician. And he thought his whole identity and, and, and purpose was wrapped up in being a musician, but he later learned that while he was good at that, that was not the thing that God had called him to. And God eventually spoke to him and called him on into ministry. And the thing we need to realize is that we should not confuse our talents with our purpose. Talent and purpose are two different things. Often, they line up because God often takes our talents and helps them become a, a, a tool in using our purpose. Purpose is very important. They did a survey among 18 to 24-year-olds, the next generation that's coming through. And here's what they learned, that, that 18 to 24-year-olds considered that having a clear purpose in life was meant being a, quote, real adult. But here's what was interesting. 86% of the young adults said that making decisions in line with their purpose was important but less than half of them had a clear picture of their purpose. And less than that even knew why they were even on the earth. So the very people who are going to soon be running our country are the people who yet to discover their purpose. But even as I say that, I want you to know something else. It's equally true for the rest of our generations too. Many of us don't have a real sense of purpose. And when we don't have a real sense of purpose, we're not going to thrive. We're just going to get by. And that's not going to be meaningful or helpful. So this morning, we're going to try something. This has never been tried in the history of man. I'm pretty certain it's never happened in the history of Pathway at any rate. And uh, I am so nervous because... Um, we're going we're gonna to try to take technology to a whole new level because I want to show you how to think about purpose in life. And so right now, they are doing something, something. I'm going to take this iPad. Can we see the iPad yet? Can you see it? Are we there? Man, you guys back there are awesome. Yeah. Can I, just, can I just give you a little testimony? Uh, Rick Harvey, many of you know Rick Harvey. Rick Harvey, he plays the drum. All right, all right. You're popular, but be careful. So, so Rick Harvey, he, he, he plays the drums, and he does all kinds of stuff in here to make worship happen. So he was working all week trying to, trying to figure out how to make this happen, and, and we finally did. But let me tell you what I noticed about Rick. I love his heart because as I'm sitting here Worshiping on at one of the songs where he's not where he's not hitting the sticks on the on the drums, he's back there with his hand raised. 
I just love that because because our drummer is, is raising his hands and and it's just awesome to to see that. So Rick, thank you for uh, doing this. So from this point on, if it doesn't work, it's my fault, not yours. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to and and uh, if you want to, if you have a piece of paper and you want to kind of look at this, you can. Uh, Rick, I didn't think of this to ask you before. Some people may want this later. Is there any way you can snap a picture and we can email it if they want it? I don't know. You can maybe figure that out. Here's a little exercise that, that I often do with folks in, uh, in smaller settings. I've never done it with a group this size, so we're going to see how this works, all right? I, I'm gonna, I want to talk to you about your purpose, and I want to help you think about it in a way that, that might be slightly differently might be slightly different than you ever have, all right? So, so here we go. I'm going to draw you a picture which in itself is, is a scary thing. I asked my wife, who's actually a pretty good artist, if she would help me, but, but uh, she wasn't sure what was going to happen, so she said no. Nonetheless, I love you, honey. Even though you're not up here drawing for me, I still love you. All right, here we go. So I'm going to draw... That's the ground. We were in uh, we were in uh, Denmark when you went to a uh, one time went to a uh, an art gallery, and a lady had drawn a picture that was just a red line up and down, and a red line side to side made like a little like a little corner thing, and it was worth a million dollars. Now she did draw it freehand and it was very large, but a million dollars. I'm like, so how much is this line worth? Anyone know? Okay, so so here's what we're gonna do. We're going to do something, it's, it, it's, called, um, it's called the purpose tree. I want you to see this. Now, so this right here is the tree. And this tree, think of this tree as your life. Oh. All right, well, good. We're off to a good start. Wait till we get to the end. You may not like it. These are, uh, this isn't, so these are, these are the roots, okay? That's your life. Those are the roots, and, and this is the tree. Every tree has to have a knot hole, and every tree has to have something where Johnny loves Mary carved on it. That's what that is, okay? Now, this is your life. Now, your life needs a little fun, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put, I'm going to put a little swing in your life. And that's where you can take your honey when you want to swing and, and everything. Now, I'm also going to, um, I was going to erase something. I forget how to erase. Oh, here we go. You, is that the eraser? All right, sorry, hon. So here, here's that. I still love you. I just, I just need the space. Because here's what I need. Over here, I need the sun. Every sun has to smile. Oh, you can't see the yellow? Oh, man, how about orange? You see orange? Can you see that? What? What happened? No. Where'd it go? There it is. This... Rick, where are you? Okay, come on. There's got. Help me out, Jesus, please. 
I, I don't. <laughs> Come on. Rick, are you, are you doing this? Are you messing with me? Oh, come on. What's that? Does anyone know how to do this? What? Top right. So it's not there, is it? Got a witness. Yeah, I'm crying too, baby. Don't you just hate this? It's like with somebody's typing and no one can figure it out. Tell you what, I will uh, I'll start over. It's never been done in the history of pathway will never be done again. I don't know. All right, that's okay. That's okay. So, thank you for trying, my dear. All right, so, are we here? Can I draw? No, I got to do a... And I even practice this at home. All right. How does this... uh... Wow, this is uh, really embarrassing now. Let me do that. Let me do that. Let me do that. All right, let's do this. All right, well, this was this was uh, this was like a superb idea that just failed. What's that? All right, everybody, say say cheese. All right. We'll leave it there. You have to use your imagination. We'll, we'll, fig- we'll figure it out sometime. So, so here's the deal. So you have this tree. This tree goes up, and, and this tree is your life. And, and, and what I was going to show you was how, how the, the branches of the tree work, but you'll, we'll have to work this. Now, in every person's life, every one of us, we have a universal purpose. In this universal purpose, there are things that every single one of us are called to as believers. Every single one of us, right? I'm gonna, just going to write these down for you, but, but listen, to, listen to these. You are called to give God glory with your, eye, with your life. The, the shorter Westminster Catechism says, what's the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to, to give God glory and enjoy Him forever. That's the chief end of man. And and that's the reason that you're here is for the glory of God. You're also here so that you may grow in the knowledge and wisdom of Jesus Christ. 
You are to grow into him. You are to, you are to, to your root, you're supposed to be, I'm drawing that, you're supposed to be rooted into Jesus Christ. You are also called, when you are called to Jesus, you are also called to be a saint. It tells us in 1 Corinthians and in several other places that, that, that you, that you as a believer, are a saint. You are called to be a saint. Now, you are a saint. Now, you may not always act saintly, because sometimes when we hear that word, people say, oh, I'm not a saint. Well, if you're Jesus, you are. Now, you may not always act that way. I get it. We're human. We may never be canonized. I get that. But we're to act that way. The Bible also tells us that we are to do good works that he prepared for us. So that's part of our purposes as a believer. The Bible also tells us that we are to proclaim Jesus in our lives, that, that we are to be this, this megaphone that co communicates Jesus to the world, that we are to be about peace. The life of the believer is to be about peace, that we are, we are to, to uh, part, of the part of our purpose in life, and you want like this one, is that we are to suffer. The Bible tells us that this life will bring suffering and that we will suffer. Sometimes when we're not popular, we end up suffering. The Bible also tells us that part of our universal purpose in Jesus Christ is to live a holy life. That we are to present our lives before Him in holiness and to live out that holiness in the way we live every single day. Now, all of us, all of us have that universal purpose Every single one of us. So at a minimal level, if you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, man, I just don't know what my purpose is. That's where you begin with these universal purposes. Start living those out. But here's the other thing, is that God has called all of us to a particular purpose. Now, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, the Scriptures tell us that the church in Antioch laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas, and they sent them out. They sent them out. They sent them out for a particular mission. And we see in the, in the New Testament, particularly in the books of, book of Acts, we see where, where people were being chosen, called, and sent. Paul was chosen by God, and he was sent. And we can find this, this demonstrated throughout the book of Acts. So here's the thing, is you have a particular purpose in this life, you have one. What you have to do is figure out what that particular purpose is. Now you say, Pastor, that's exactly the problem. I'm living the universal purposes. I know that, that God has something that He wants for my life. You said it last week. You're, you're saying it again this week. So what is that particular purpose that God has for my life? I can't tell you. Sermon over. But I can give you some hints on what not to do to find it, and at the same time what to do to, avoid, to find it, okay? So first of all, never forget that your calling is not from you. Here's the thing we need to understand, is not every good idea in your life is a God idea. Have you ever just had those things you thought, man, what a great idea that would be? I've had those. I have those all the time. This would be a great idea, great idea, great idea, great idea. But they're not necessarily the thing that God has, has called me to do. So just because you have a good idea doesn't mean it's a God idea. 
So first of all, sort that out and understand this, that the calling that God has for you, the purpose that God has for you, is not something that you choose. That's something that God gives to you. Sometimes people run from the purpose that God has, has given them because they don't like the thing that God is trying to give them. And God is just saying, hey, I want to give you this. This is going to be so good. When you get this, you're going to do this and this and this. And people look at it and say, I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with that. I can't tell you the number of times I've talked with pastors in my ministry who tell me this. God called me to ministry at an early age. But I'd never surrender to it because I didn't want it. I mean, that was Moses' problem. If you remember from when you read in Exodus, God was calling him to something big to lead the children out of Israel, lead them to the promised land. And he kept saying, no, Lord, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And he'd give him a good reason. Every time he would give God a good reason. And every time God would give him a better reason as to why he could. So remember, your calling is not from you. It's from God. When you're trying to find your purpose and your calling in life, don't go it alone. Ask other people to help clarify for you what that calling may be. Because here's the thing about the body of Christ, and this is why the body is so important, is the body speaks into your life when you have a hard time, when you have a hard time, a difficult time listening to God. Sometimes others can see things in you that are so clear that we ourselves can't see them. So listen to others in your life. Now, just because someone says you should do this or you should do that doesn't necessarily mean you run off with that. But it means you take that, you test it with other believers who know you well, you present it to God in prayer, and you say, God, is this the purpose that you have for my life? And you'll begin to get clarification. A third thing is don't copy someone else. Someone else's call is not your call, because someone else's gifting is not your gifting. God has something unique that He wants you to do. So for example, there are, there are hundreds and thousands of preachers Millions, probably, around the world. We all, hopefully, if we're conservative evangelists, we're all preaching the same Bible. And yet, every single one of them speak differently. They have different styles. They use different words. They have different perspectives on the world. God speaks to them differently. They communicate it differently. If I was trying to be someone on TV, I would fail miserably. Let me just tell you, when I was, when I was a young pastor... Um, there, was a particular, there was a particular preacher that I liked a lot, and I wanted to emulate them. So, you know, you watch them, you listen to their phrases, you write it down, you, you, look, at their, you look at their mannerisms, their gestures, you know, you know or, or this, or, or this, or, or this, or... I tell you, what, I, true story, one time my wife and I was, was visiting a, a Benny Hinn's church in Orlando when we lived there, and... Everyone was going there, so we decided we wanted to go one day, and, and we were standing. Let me tell you what, I, this was amazing. You had to stand in line to get into his church at the time. That's how popular he was. So we made it in, we're sitting there, and he comes out on the stage, and he's talking, and he likes to do this thing with his feet, so he did his thing with his feet, and he kicked it out, and his shoe went out in the audience. And he said, I need that back. My shoes cost $500 each, so there you go. So um, don't copy someone else. I wasn't trying to copy him, by the way. The other thing is, is, is don't worry over it. Don't worry over it. 
God will reveal it to you if you're listening. If you're in that place of receptivity, God will communicate to you. He will speak to you. And then the last thing I want to say to you is, as God has given you this calling, this purpose, you are not, it's not designed for you. Your purpose in life, whatever it is that God has determined for you, that will be the greatest source of joy for you. You will receive more benefit from it. You'll feel more fulfilled. You'll feel more complete. You'll feel that though you're right where God wants you to be, but it's not primarily for you. It's for the world. Your calling is for Tom and Jim and Jane and Sally and Rebecca and Sue and Juan and Jesus, and you just keep naming the names all out. God has given you His calling. He has given it to you for you to use for His glory and for His kingdom. It's not so that you will be popular, although along the path you may be. It's not so that, that, that people will lift you up, and that's never the goal, but sometimes people will, will really respect you and thank you for what you do. The purpose is for God's people. In the Bible it says, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Our success depends completely upon the will of God. God said that you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the name of the Father, He may give it to you. Your purpose is so that you would bear fruit in this life. Let me just tell you a couple other quick things before we wrap up. A man without a vision is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always return to his past. Your purpose is all about your future, no matter what your past has been. You know why a knife cuts so well? It's because it's got a very narrow focus. Your purpose is so that your life would be focused and it would do its job well. Did you know that your purpose in life gives meaning to the pain that you've experienced? And when you discover your purpose, it will open up vision for your life like nothing else will ever do. My brothers and sisters, I want to end this morning with, with, this, um, with this word to you. As I've thought about, as I've thought about Pathway Church over the last time that we, that we have been here among you, you know, we have, we have, as a church, we've had moments where we've endured some great pain. The last two or three weeks, we have, we have entered into conversation with folks who have been tearful, who have been hurt this way or this way, for this reason, for that reason. And we know the pain that you're experiencing. God knows the pain that you've experienced. And when we look at the things that have transpired over the last period of time, it seems as though when we look at the past, we say the church was here and it was poised to do all of these things. Why are we here now at the place that we're at? Questions. Those are valid, important questions. We look at folks that we loved, who were here and who are not, and we grieve. We consider all the things. We, we look at leadership sometimes and we may want to point a finger. We may want to post blame there. We may want to post blame here. We may look at our church and we may say there's, there's sin. There's mistakes. 
All of those things will be true. All of them. All of them. But God never throws away anything or anyone that He has called. He never gets rid of it. Never does. There were times when, when the Apostle Paul in Acts 16, he was following God's purpose and they put him in jail. Not just in jail, but in a dark, deep place in chains. You know how God got him out of that? Through singing. And then he went on with his life and he, and he continued to fulfill his purpose. My brothers and sisters, to you I say, if you feel like there is a jail that you're in, if you feel the same way about maybe Pathway Church right now, I want you to know that God is not done, that He is still moving us forward, but here's what we have to do. We have to reclaim God's purpose for this place. God's calling is effectual and is permanent. He has given it to us. I was sitting down in worship today. I, I tell you, I, uh, I so wanted to just jump on the stage at one point in one of the songs and I wanted to shout out to you guys that God is doing something. God is doing something here. You may not see it, but my spirit tells me God is doing something. That no matter what we've been a part of, no matter what has happened, God is doing something. I believe He wants to change your heart in a way that, that has never been changed. And maybe God is using the circumstances of today to make our heart better for, the, for tomorrow. I believe that's what's happening. I believe God wants to use us. So this morning, as, as, we, as we sing this last song together, if, if, if there is something that you need to tell God, you, need to, you want to do it in a special place, we have altars on both sides. If you want someone to pray with you, go to the altar on, on my right, your left. If you want to just pray by yourself, you can go to the altar on the other side of the auditorium. If you need someone to pray with you, I encourage you to do that. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to reclaim the purpose in your life. If you don't know it, find it. If you know it, reignite it. If you're at a stage in life where you feel like, hey, I'm getting older. I don't, I, what I used to do is not what I'm doing now. Maybe you can repurpose your purpose. God is not done. And let's don't live that way. Let's don't think that way. Let's don't be that way. Because that's not the way God looks at us. Pray with me. Father, this morning, I just pray that you would, uh, that you would use this, this time that we spent together for your glory. Lord, we know that technology doesn't always work. But God, we know that your message can still come through. And so God, we pray that, that it would be true in our lives. As we lift our hands, our worship to you. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together, church, and let's sing.
of things. It's been, it was very interesting, and, and I, I really like to encourage you to come back tonight at four. It's also we're going to kind of kind of also begin a, a thing we call leadership community. Tonight's more of an introduction to the leadership community. We want to invite you to stay for that as well. We're going to kind of move expeditiously along because there is football on tonight, and I need to be part of it. They, uh, they, the coach needs my help. I've got a special headset that, and so uh, so I promise you. Uh, I, I'm even picking up pizza on the way home. So if you want to, if you want to, you want to come to my house, uh, bring some pizza, and we'll watch football together. But we're going to be done. I'm telling you. So uh, I trust you. Trust me on that one. So come and join us tonight. So here's what I want to do. I want to just lift my hands up, and I just want to speak these words over the congregation today as our final, as our final word. Father, as we leave this place, help us to do so in Your grace filled with your purpose that we may do so to your glory in Jesus name